Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, guys. Welcome to the 12 o'clock edition of the Armor Report. Thanks for being here with me. My name is Brett Rosenthal. This is a show about stock market investing in what I call the millennial age. So we combine fundamental research um, of investment themes and companies in those themes with the um, power of algorithmic execution on our trading desk. This is a live trading desk. All the information I share with you comes from um, work that we're doing to manage our own personal capital and that for our investors. All of our business is run through our affiliation with interactive brokers. So I like to start the show off by going over the top five algorithms that we use um, to direct our risk uh, management techniques. Um, we have proprietary algorithms for the S&P, the NASDAQ 100, the Dow Industrials, the Small Cap Index, and the Momentum Index. And based on what those algorithms are saying, risk on, risk off, or somewhere in between, it will determine how aggressive we are when it comes to putting money to work. <clears throat> then what I'll do in the show, as you can see in the description, I'm going to uh, pick up where I left off yesterday. Uh, yesterday, um, I'm... I've been discussing our focus here on our three favorite groups. Obviously, marijuana is number one, um, followed very closely with precious metals, gold and silver as a major investment for us. Um, in, in fact, right now, we have a bigger position in the precious metal stocks than we do marijuana at the moment. Um, and that couldn't be going uh, uh, more smoothly. Jeez, they're up again. They're up again 2% today after a 4% move yesterday. It was just a complete blowout in those stocks. We'll get back to that in a minute. Maybe I'll flesh out a little bit more of the gold story for you. And then we'll just touch on, of course, the energy space and, and um, our focus there is on the, the, the pipelines. But I, wanna, I really want to pick up where I left off yesterday about how do we add whiteboard names to our portfolio? What is a whiteboard name? If you look at our website, rosenthalcapital.com, You'll see it. The, if you scroll down the home page, you'll see our three model portfolios at Interactive Brokers. So the, the, the clients we work with who have Interactive Broker accounts link their accounts to one of these three, conservative, balanced, and aggressive approaches. Um, and you can see we try to just update for, um, for, for those of you who are not um, directly involved with us, we update what we own for each strategy in a general sense. I don't break down what stocks we own for obvious reasons, but I just give you an idea of what we have percentage-wise and what themes. Um, and I, you'll see I've added a, a line called whiteboard faves. And so I'm going to discuss the, uh, late, a little bit later in the show, what is the whiteboard fave? How does a stock get there? And then I'm going to use an example of a recent success from the whiteboard favorites and I'm going to walk you through step-by-step step how we got there and why it's our biggest position in our portfolio right now from an individual stock standpoint, right? So we have groups and themes and then whiteboard favorites, and then this is the biggest whiteboard favorite we have in our portfolio, and I'm going to share with you why. All right, so without further ado, let's hop to first to um, our risk-on, risk-off monitor using those five big indexes and in our algorithms Yesterday, you may recall, we were in the midst of um, some aggressive um, day trades. So 
when we have a kind of a mild risk scenario, as strong as I can get is mild, we don't have any long positions in the big indexes. All of our investing has been on individual uh, themes that we like and whiteboard names. And we're carrying a fair amount of cash. And we've been in that position since September of last year, really beginning of October. Um, so nothing has changed. We had this ridiculous sell-off in December, followed by, quite frankly, a completely ridiculous rally in January and early February. It's just um, the pendulum swinging from, from here to there. So um, the question is, um, when will this volatility settle out and when will we get a real trend that we can be confident in so that we can put more capital to work? That's really what our algorithms are telling us right now. They're saying that the risk from here, because of the wild volatility swings, is too great to have too much committed. We need to be holding back some cash so we can um, deploy it at a more appropriate time and protect capital. I would say one of the most important things, I've been doing this 30 years for myself and for clients, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing I can reveal to you about managing your capital is managing risk. You need to manage risk first and worry about making a lot of money second. And I think most people have that flipped. Most people have it flipped. They, they have these dreams of, of, of massive performance. And so they take way too much risk and then don't know how to deal with it. Um, market is really getting whacked right now and it just gets me to wonder what's going on and that's why I've changed my focus for a second but um, anyway um, no big deal I you know we don't have any day trades on today so when we have a lot of cash in the portfolio like we do we do we, we like to focus on day trades in the indexes if we can find them now yesterday was an ideal day I mean, we just killed it every single index we, we trade the four indexes the Dow, the NASDAQ, the small caps, and the S&P. And all, what we look for is confluence of events when we're day trading. We want to see all the indexes give us the same entry point at the same time or closely related times. And that's when we commit capital. And if different indexes are moving in different directions on a given day, we're not really day trading that day. Because what we're really trying to capture is program trades from other algorithms that are driving the market higher. And our favorite thing to do, and we've talked about this before, is to get long gap downs. So the market gapped down yesterday, so I'm already excited. And then we get at 936, every index looks exactly the same. You can tell there's computer programmed algorithmic activity going on. And you want to hop on that because you're going to make money. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. All four did the same thing at 9.36. Boom. And we maxed out profits all the way to the end of the day yesterday. So today it was a muddled open, kind of a flat open, a little bit up, a little bit down. Some, you know, And there's nothing really going on except for tight range volatility and, and until the last nine, uh, six minutes. And it looks like the NASDAQ is breaking below the opening range low. So if we're going to trade now on an intraday basis, we need a real sell-off for at least an hour that is accompanied by a volume reversal. And then we might get involved on the intraday side. Otherwise, we're happy and content to just enjoy the profits we're making on the investment side of our portfolio. 
Okay, so let's jump um, over to that investment side of our portfolio. Um, precious metals, let's touch on that for a minute, maybe a little more than I, I have in the past. Uh, from a fundamental standpoint, precious metals have been um, one of the worst places to have money in, in probably the last seven years. It's been absolute destruction. But we highlighted for you three months ago that the indexes, GDX, GDXJ, gold, which you can follow, is the ETF is GLD, silver, SLV. They were all breaking multi-year downtrends for the third time. So there were three downtrend lines, and they were breaking out of the third downtrend line. We happen to be um, um, true believers in Fibonacci sequences. They show up in nature everywhere, and they really show up in the stock market because it's human nature. And so when you have, as Fibonacci says, a break of the third trend line, a change in trend has occurred. And we highlighted that on the show. And you can see on our homepage, our model portfolios have between 15 and 20% of the portfolio allocated to precious metal stocks and the bullion. And we've just been killing it. These stocks are going through the roof right now. We had a huge update yesterday, up 4% in the, in the stocks. They're up another couple percent today. It, it's very clear that a new trend has started now, and it's an uptrend. And so how do we manage our risk from here? Well, we have our allocation, and we got our allocation two, three months ago. So um, we, now we have big profits. And number one is we don't chase the success. I don't keep buying stocks as they move higher. We look for weakness. If I have any interest in increasing my exposure, which I don't, by the way, I think 15 to 20% is enough in this group. But if I did, I would only do it on weakness. I need to see it sell off down to uptrends and then add to it. Um, where would I book a profit? I, I, it's a hard, that's a hard question to ask because we have been at Rosenthal Capital Management, um, investors, in precious metals off and on for the last uh, more than a decade. Um, quite frankly, it's the reason we, we outperformed every index in a major way in 2008. We made money in 2008 while everybody was getting destroyed. And the reason we did is we focused on precious metals. And that worked right on through 2011. August 2011, they peaked. And now they've just been horrific investments ever since. It looks like, even though they've been horrific investments ever since, there's an underlying um, current of, um, without getting too deep into this precious metal story, and I could talk and I could talk your ear off for the next, you know, I don't know how many hours about this development. So I'm not going to go into every single aspect of the precious metal story. Suffice it to say, there have been some big changes that have occurred. The biggest being that the bullion banks that have been short precious metals for years and making a fortune off of um, their manipulation of the, of the metals. I mean, there's no if, ands, or buts about that. They've been manipulating the paper market and profiting off of the decline. Those guys are now long the metals. So they've gone from net shorts to net longs, which is almost unheard of for them. And it comes 
on the heels of the last five years where China is doing its best to make the renminbi, their currency, a reserve currency and to move away from the U.S. dollar. So this is a long-term trend that's going to play out over decades, okay? But as it does, precious metals that are priced in dollars will become more valuable. That's the big picture of what's going on in the precious metal space. And over the last five years of the bear market in precious metals, under the bear market and price of paper assets, you've been seeing a lot of changes in India and China and around the world that um, suggests a true weakening of the U.S. dollar over time and a resurgence in the price of the metals. Have we caught the bottom in these metals after a seven-year decline? It's possible. Our algorithms did it. Our algorithms kept us out of this group for a long time. Sometimes we'd come in, book a small profit, step aside again. But they've gotten us back into this group in a meaningful way right near the lows. And so now what we're going to do is ride this as long as we can with a, with a very generous stop. Right? We're definitely going to make money on this investment. But the question is, how much volatility will we allow? We're going to let it go for a while here because, honestly, these stocks can double from where we bought them. And it would, it would have almost no impact on the chart patterns. It's like incredible. They've been down so much. Okay, enough on the metals. Um, for those of you who have missed this move in the metals, I would not chase them here. Chasing the metals is disastrous. At least it has been the last seven years. So if you want to own the metals, do some of your own homework. These are not recommendations. I'm not telling you on these shows, these YouTube videos, exactly what to do with your assets. I don't know you. I can't help you unless you literally pick up the phone and call me. Go to our website, RosenthalCapital.com, and call me, and I'll share with you our information, and we'll discuss your risk profile, and we can help you out. But if you're doing this on your own and you're using these YouTube videos as a guide, then that's what they are, a guide. Do your own homework. Make sure you want to own the space. And my guide would be be patient and buy weakness. Okay, let's, um, let's move on. Okay, let's move on to um, um, the story of the day here. I'm going to talk to you about um, whiteboards. How do stocks get onto our whiteboard list? This is a key question people have asked me, and so I want to share with you how the process works. At the, be at the beginning of a whiteboard idea, let me, let me start over. The only stocks, the only investments that get on the whiteboard are investments that are focused around intellectual property. Okay? I don't care about PE. I care about IP. You've heard me say this over and over and over again. Investing is about opportunity cost of money. There's a lot of places I can go with my assets. So I want to invest my assets where the reward is dramatically worth the risk I'm taking. I don't have an interest in 
in cyclical businesses. What I want to do is get on an investment theme, get on a whiteboard stock, get it right, and hold it three, five, ten years and, and make 10,000% of my money. That's what I'm looking for. Every investment we make has to have that potential or what's the point? What's the point? Why would I waste my time buying something that has a cyclical business that will run up and then collapse and then run up and then collapse when I can instead invest in Internet stocks in the 1990s? Huge run over decades. Invest in the genetics companies in 2003, 17,000% return over 15 years in Illumina. You see what I'm saying? That's how you really create wealth. It's not by buying low PE stocks. Okay, so to get on the whiteboard here, you've got to have intellectual property. I like to try to, once we've got the intellectual property, there's different phases that we're going to be looking for. We like to invest in companies where we feel the, the margin expansion is about to hit their business. It's not earnings or revenue per se that Wall Street really loves. Look, I've been doing this over 30 years. I'm sharing with you hard-fought information that I know to be a fact. What drives stocks higher is not my buying and your buying. It's institutional sponsorship of a theme or a particular name. And what gets institutions? I'm talking about endowment funds, pension plans. You understand institutions talking about big mutual funds. What gets them to drive capital into a stock or a theme? It's when that stock or theme hits the margin expansion phase. Okay? So there's different types of stocks that are going to be on our whiteboard. The cannabis stocks, they're not at the margin expansion phase. We're at the beginning of an investing super cycle. That's different. Okay? And we're getting in ahead of the, the, the inflow of capital from institutions. But when it comes to a name on the whiteboard that's, that's on its own, it's not part of a theme, we're looking for that business model to reach the point of expansion in margins, hockey stick expansion in margins. This is what, this is what institutions love to invest in. We also, this is like the third thing I guess I would say to get something on the whiteboard. So we have intellectual property. We have expansion in margins and we have and this is the third the third thing and not necessarily in any particular order but we we need the company to have a management team that we can trust and i can't help you with understanding what that means it's just i've been doing this 30 years when i got into the business i was in manhattan so I was working in New York for the first 15 years of my career. Um, New York, obviously, is the epicenter of the, of the financial world. And let me tell you something. Every major management team of any company that has you know, anything to do with the equity uh, shows up in New York at least once a year. So we used to meet management teams of companies probably three or four a week, every week for 15 years. I've heard everything. I've seen weak management teams, and I've seen incredibly strong management teams. I've seen incredibly intelligent managers who ruin businesses because they don't understand the markets. 
And I've and, and, and I've seen and I'll tell you this story in, on another day. I've seen outright frauds sit down right across the table from me and lie to me about their business. One particular guy's in prison now. And and I'll, t- I'll tell you something. Made a lot of money short that stock. I'll share with you that story some other time. I don't want to digress too far. My point is it does take some um, – it does take – a little bit of experience to understand what it means to say, is this a good management team? So I would suggest you do a couple of things to, to begin to learn this one, listen to the conference calls of earnings of the companies you like and listen to what the management team sounds like and see if you can't pick up a winner versus a loser. You can do some homework by listening to some great earnings announcements of stocks that have gone up a lot and listen to the management teams. You can hear their, the terminology they use, they're not promoting, they're not promoting, they're just telling it like it is, and they just dominate. You could hear in their voice that, 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 they, that they're in the dominant phase of their business cycle. Um, I also like to look at the background of management. Have they been successful in the past? I'll give you an example. Um, I made a lot of money in a company called Novell. Probably nobody remembers that company. It was a software company went from six to 26 in about a year. Um, And it did it on back of a turnaround from uh, the new CEO whose name was Eric Schmidt. Not a lot of people knew him at the time, but he was a turnaround architect. Uh, We made a lot of money on that stock. The next company he went to was Google. Early on, he went to Google. I think the stock was trading in the 80s. Google's $1,128 a share now. Eric Schmidt was the steward of that company to greatness. So we like to follow managers who've had past success. So you can go to every website of every company and look at the management team and read the bio. Is this guy new or is this guy, has he been involved in the past and he's able to do something? And then, of course, alongside that are joint ventures. We like to see new companies with new technology and new IP that is teamed up with some dominant market players. In the cannabis space, obviously, we do that with Canopy, $5 billion from Constellations. Hexo, you know, joint venture with Molson Coors. Um, Kronos, $1.8 billion from Altria. You're getting these teams. So these other big companies are, are helping you understand what's going on uh, and doing the homework for you and saying, yes, this is a, a company to be involved in. So you can rest assured they've done the homework. They put billions of dollars into it. You could probably invest too. So those are some thoughts there on how to, so let's just jump here in the last five minutes of the show. And I'm going to share with you big reveal, our biggest whiteboard stock right now that we own in our portfolio. It's our biggest single individual investment is iRobot. IRBT, go look at the chart. You can see how it's done. Um, in the last nine trading days, we're up over 30% in the stock. We, we've only owned the stock for about maybe 11, 12 trading days. So we're up over 30% in that time period. How did we do it? Why did it come off the whiteboard and go into our portfolio? Let me tell you first iRobot's been on our whiteboard for two years. We've never owned the stock. 
This is a long-term investment plan, guys. You have to work at it. You've got to do homework. You've got to follow the company, listen to the conference call, read all the information you can. And just because you love the idea doesn't mean you should buy the stock. I loved the idea two years ago. I bought one of their vacuums. I thought, this is pretty cool. And I think AI is the future. I'm going to follow the stock. I'm going to be on the conference call. And the stock has had a lot of whipsaws. Big runs up, big runs down. People view it as a consumer products company. They make, you know, they make a vacuum. You know, how exciting can that be? Um, what changed it for us? Two things. The previous conference call before earnings, the recent earnings came out nine days ago. The stock is blown out. Okay, so obviously they had a great earnings announcement. But why did we buy the stock a couple days in front of that announcement? That could be dangerous, right? Sometimes you buy it in front of the announcement, you lose money. They miss the number. And it happens on our desk too, by the way. Right? But we're cutting losses and moving on. It's okay. But we've been following the stock for two years. What really changed our, our, our um, what allowed us to put the capital to work, number one, the algorithm we've written to invest in individual stocks, which is different than the algorithms we've written for the big indexes. Um, that algorithm told us, hey, this is the right risk reward entry point. Okay, so we got a list of whiteboard names. We run an algorithm and it tells us of these 10 names, this is the one or this is the two names that have the right risk on entry point. Then we go back, double up on our research again before we execute. Listen to the previous conference call again. Try to pick up clues. On that conference call, this is, look, guys, I've been doing this 30 years. I listen to the management team. They just have their bit in the teeth. It, having had the experience of doing this for 30 years, I can tell that this management team was expecting margin expansion, revenue expansion, earnings expansion. They were killing it. You could just hear it on the previous call. So unless they had a terrible tumble in the last three months, they're going to kill it again. And they didn't have a terrible tumble. And what I love about Wall Street is they're completely missing the story. Most people write about iRobot as a vacuum company. It's not a vacuum company, okay? That's not, I mean, yes, that's where they get their revenue. That's, that's not why you want to own the stock. You want to own the stock because it's an IP company around AI, artificial intelligence, which is the future in a lot of different industries. Some of the biggest guys out there, Google, Apple, are using and building artificial intelligence to drive cars, Tesla, right? Okay, in our estimation, iRobot has some of the best intellectual property around AI that can be used for a myriad of different applications. Google has recently teamed up with iRobot. And it's not just to put iRobot in contact with Google, Google's home speaker system. It's because the patent portfolio, the IP, that iRobot's been building for a decade is impressive. 
These are the reasons that the stock went in our portfolio in front of earnings. They blew out the number. The stock is skyrocketing. There's a big short interest because people don't get the story. They even talk about it on CNBC. They say, hey, the stock's up big with earnings because uh, they're releasing a lawnmower. That is not the reason the stock is up. The lawnmower, the, the, the uh, vacuum cleaner, these are just proofs of concept that their AI technology is ready to rock and roll in many different areas. And the joint venture with Google is a major plus. That's how we get into the stock. We have the uh, algorithm telling us it's time to put money to work. Then they blow out the number and the stock's up 30% in nine days. That is how you build wealth. I hope this has been helpful for you guys. I wish you the best of luck. The market's plummeting right here, selling off probably in front of the Fed minutes. I'd like to see what the numbers are and the Fed minutes are. We may be getting long this market. Who knows? If, I mean, if not, nobody likes the minutes. Uh, this might be a day where we start putting out some shorts again. Um, you'll just have to check back with me tomorrow, and I'll let you know what we've done. All right, guys, have a good day trading. Be safe out there. Don't chase. Be patient. Take care. Thank you.